to Macintosh and Mod haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched Boys in the Hood. Follows the lives of three young males living in the Crenshaw ghetto of Los Angeles, dissecting questions of race, relationships, violence, and future prospects. I feel like this is a movie I should have seen a long time ago. Same. Like, this one's been on the radar for a long time. It just, you know, it's not one I play on TV. And it's, while it has a lot of great people in it, it just wasn't something that I was like, oh, I definitely need to see that. So let, let's let be very clear. This movie was not marketed to us. Sure. And as it shouldn't be. But also, I know I get this movie confused with the Spike Lee movie. Oh, uh, we, we, may, we may mention <laughs> Spike Lee's work in, in other things. Mm-hmm. I have seen Do the Right Thing. Okay. What's interesting is that they're two very different movies. Yeah. Do the Right Thing is very New York and mm-hmm. brash and in your face and also like very on its sleeve with its outspokenness. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much a every side speaking their mind so that you get the perspective. Sure. And this movie is very different. Mm-hmm. It's a slice of life. Yes. But in the best way. Mm-hmm. Because it's a slice of life from not just a director, but also an entire cast who understood what the hell was going on out Mm -hmm. in South Central. Yeah. (laughs) Not everybody was from South Central, but a lot of our cast members are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our creator is. And it shows. Oh, yeah. This movie is not perfect. It's pretty rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. But... The amount of care and attention that was put into it, into what's on its face a pretty generic slice of life movie, mm-hmm. but makes such an impact because it's done with black characters yes. in a specific environment in a time which doesn't get shown on film. Sure. <laughs> and doesn't get shown on film in the most just plain, matter of fact way mm-hmm. that we're presented with here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like watching a movie about kids growing up in the suburbs, except the suburb has, happens to be South Central. Yeah. In Crenshaw. And that makes it really interesting and fascinating. I, I do love that this is about this particular, you know, neighborhood and the people growing up in it and and, and just their relationships and what's going on with them. Um, yeah, it's it it is that slice of life. And that's always interesting it makes for a compelling watch and it and it makes for a universal experience for a lot of people i think it's an entry point for for everybody mm-hmm. um because it's easily relatable it's like oh yeah i too was a teenager growing up in a place at one point in my life <laughs> this is a very specific neighborhood and experience and it doesn't shy away from the fact that there are really difficult things about it but I think one of the things that is also really great is that they're also trying to show like some of this is just life things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is really important. Well, let's talk about it. The budget for this film was $6,500,000. Mm-hmm. That's roughly $14 million today. It opened, not its total, it opened to $10 million, mm-hmm. roughly $22 million. And its total gross wound up being $57,500,000. That's roughly $125 million in today's money. Based on the return Mm -hmm. over its budgeted cost, it was the most financially successful film of 1991. That makes sense. 
it cost very little to make, but it had a huge return. Mm-hmm. Um, it w- opened at con in the in certain regard category. Mm-hmm. And in 2002, it was adopted for preservation in the National Film Registry. Good. That's cool. You know, Do the Right Thing gets all these wonderful plaudits, and rightfully so. It's an incredible film. Mm-hmm. But this struck at a moment that was so big, and it mm-hmm. told a story about L.A. that nobody was telling. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I know I asked this of you when we were watching it, so... When did Rodney King happen in relation to this film? The Rodney King incident happened several months earlier. I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure the exact date. The L.A. riots happened in April 1992. Okay, so this film comes out. About a year before. About a year before. And lets everybody know where that happens. Mm -hmm. And so it's such an explosion of focus on this area. And that's so important. Well, and it's the casting of Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. Some of it is a bit of a coincidence, only in the sense that it's not that they cast him because he was such a cultural flashpoint Mm -hmm. for L.A., but his casting also does touch on the moment because N.W.A. became such a big thing. And N.W.A. was really, for a while there, the cultural touchstone for South Central Los Angeles. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's from there. Oh, absolutely. So was our writer-director, mm-hmm. <laughs> John Singleton. Okay. This is his debut film. Mm-hmm. Talking about his writing, he wrote the films Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, 2000's Shaft, Baby Boy, and then created the television series Snowfall before passing away at 2019 at the age of 51. Mm-hmm. Directing-wise, after this, he directed the video for Michael Jackson's Remember the Time, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, Rosewood, 2000, Shaft, Baby Boy, Too Fast, Too Furious, Four Brothers, Abduction, and then did tons and tons of television work. Okay. We'll start with the writing. Mm -hmm. And what do we think of Singleton's writing of this movie? It's very predictable. Yes, it is. and, And that's not so much a slight against his writing. I do love the banter between the boys. Absolutely. And I I imagine there's a portion of that that is the actors, but that also has to be written by somebody who's from that neighborhood. And you definitely get that vibe. And so that is wonderful. This movie is not going to give you a lot in the way of interesting plot points. No. What it is going to give you is incredible emotional exchanges mm-hmm. that feel real. I mean... There are times where it feels a little hammy where we're headed with the lines, and then somehow it just stays on the balance beam Mm -hmm. because the authenticity is there. It's a little little bit of that glory thing where we're like, well, it's really eye-rolling predictable, but damned if it doesn't like hit you right in the gut. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't detract from my enjoyment or the story itself. Right. So it's fine. It's just we're going to talk about writing. I'm going to say it's a little predictable. It, it is. It's the interplay between the characters that's really awesome. Yes. And, and fun to watch. And what makes it more than just a plain coming of age story. Mm-hmm. What do we think about John's directing? I don't find it noticeable, which makes it very good for not only the type of story he's telling, but also to know that this is his first time doing it. 
Well, it's really interesting. He shot the entire movie in sequence. That doesn't surprise me. And he has noted mm-hmm. that you can, if you watch the film, you can actually see his camera work and skills getting better as he goes along. Fair. <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, it's real like, I don't know. And then by the end, like when we get to the, you know, the shot with the car rolling up on the, on the fast food place, mm-hmm. like that part. And then walking across the street, those shots suddenly get way better. And you're like, Mm. oh, yeah, no. (laughs) He learned some things. He was literally figuring shit out as he went. Well, that's good. And there's rough edges. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of rough edges. But by the end of it, he has thoroughly pulled you into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters more than anything. Yes. Especially with the climax and Ricky getting killed. And you're, I mean... You know it's coming from a mile away. Oh, yeah. And it still sucks all the air out of you. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> well, and I also, I think that's another thing that I actually do really like about this story is that it's it's happy for some, but it's not happy for all. And that's life. Yes. It's still tragic and so awful. But that is what happens like to people literally every day. And it's it, it's it's just... It's sad. Well, and to the reverse of that, also, it's not just tragedy. Mm-hmm. We're not just, we don't just see constant, horrible death and violence. Mm-hmm. We also see like Trey growing up, his dad really focusing on him mm-hmm. and being like, absolutely not. You're not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm sorry about your friend. My heart goes out to his mother and his family, but that's their problem, Trey. You my son, you my problem. I want you to give me the gun. And he did enough to convince Trey not to do this. Yeah. That's huge. No, it's so important, but I also love that at the end that there is an element that Trey has to do this. For Trey, he has to do this. And no matter what his father says, it's not going to change it. It's not It's not going to change. And I think the other really fascinating thing is that at the end of it, Trey and Doughboy are headed down two completely different paths. Mm-hmm. And they're still friends. Yeah. That doesn't change anything. The one is not an indictment of the other. No. <laughs> it's not saying you're bad for this. Or, oh, like he's not saying like, oh, you're awful because you're a drug dealer. Like, you're making money. You're doing what you got to do. And then he's his Dobe is not like, well, you think you're too good for me because you're not doing you're not selling drugs or you're you're going down this more like corporate path. It's just like we're from the same place. We're family. We're friends. It's fine. And that that's the beauty of what Singleton did with the movie. Mm -hmm. There's no judgment on any of the characters. It's just this is how it is. Mm -hmm. So pro we're pro we're we're pro. It's rough, but we're pro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Singleton was spurred to make the movie while attending USC for film school. He was from South Central LA. He modeled Trey's childhood on his own. His father was a mortgage broker, and Singleton moved in with him in South Central when John Singleton was 12 years old. Mm. And he did. He stayed out of trouble under his father's guidance, went to college. Mm -hmm. So while attending USC, an executive from Orion came to talk to them. And during that discussion, Singleton explained that he didn't enjoy the movie Colors that Orion put out in 1988. Hmm. That is a film, I believe, centered around the Rampart scandal, which is like, you know, the L.A. cops basically creating a drug gang. 
Mm-hmm. And Singleton said, it's not about South Central, it's about two white cops. Mm-hmm. So the executive got defensive, eventually saying, well, Ice-T wrote the music for the movie. And Singleton, without missing a beat, said, well, Ice-T didn't write the fucking script. Mm-hmm. And the entire room applauded him. Yeah, that's important. It's like, it, and that, I mean, that is so much what happens, even still to this day. It's like, oh, well... Yeah. Well, we've got this one person of color that you never see or really know anything about. But see, like, we've got one. Fuck off. And Singleton was like, yeah, but you you don't get it. You're not actually asking the people from there to make the movie about it. Mm -hmm. And so while there, he really started developing the script and everything. He pitched it to Columbia in 1990. Mm -hmm. And off the success of Do the Right Thing, they wanted to put out their own type of movie. So they went Mm -hmm. ahead and greenlit the project. Yeah. Right after he got out of college. Uh, the opening of Want to See a Dead Body was very much inspired by Stand By Me. Mm. That was intentional on his part, which makes me like it a lot more. Because I love the idea of, yeah, watch Stand By Me. Now here's what it looks like in South Central. Mm-hmm. Doughboy's crew is based on the Roland 60s Crips. And Ferris and his crew are based on the Crenshaw Mafia Bloods. The Bloods were actually angered by the film, thinking that they were portrayed as bad guys instead of just gangsters, that they were scared. Mm-hmm. And Singleton based the self-hating black officer off of a police officer he encountered as a kid. He said it was critical to show how fellow black people could be just as racist against black people as white people. Fair. Initially, Columbia only wanted to agree to make the movie if somebody other than Singleton directed. Now... Not, it's not an unusual request. No, because he hasn't ever done it before. Exactly. It's it's not. However, Singleton stood his fucking ground. Mm, good for him. His response in a later interview was, quote, Hell no, I'm not going to let somebody from Idaho or Encino direct a movie about living in South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They can't come in here and cast it and go through the rewrites and know exactly what aesthetics are unique to this film, unquote. Mm-hmm. And he's goddamn right. Yeah. I mean, just look at the barbecue scene. There is so much culture in that scene that you are not going to get if you are not from there. And you would miss. Domino motherfuckers. Say about that. Fool, that ain't shit. I beat your ass three times already. That's just one time, nigga. Let's play again. Fuck that. I won't play no more. Let's bust some spags. Yeah, I'm with that gang. Bust some spags. Cool. And just like just the the just the the way that people interact. It's if you don't if you don't have that experience, you're not gonna film it. Just the block. Mm-hmm. Just the way Furious's house is set up. Mm-hmm. With the porch with no rail, no stairs, and astroturf on it. And like, you know, going into Doughboy and Ricky's house with like plastic all over the couch. You're just like, there's so much detail that he put in there that nobody would have given a shit about, but he knew it would make it more real. And we talk about this. When you see a director put that level of detail and craft into what they're making, it means they care. Mm -hmm. And he cares. To maintain realism, Singleton never warned actors and actresses about when gunshots would be fired. The reactions were completely genuine. Cool. Per Neil Long, who is also from the area, quote, It was important as a young actor to me that this feels real. 
because I knew what it was like to go home from school and hear gunshots at night, unquote. Mm. Again, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But is it impactful? Definitely. And I think that's the most important part. All right, so let's move on to our cast. Cast. And we're going to start with a not good person, but a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. And that is Cuba Gooding Jr. as Trey Styles. Before this, he was in Coming to America and Sing. After this, Gladiator from 1992, A Few Good Men, Judgment Night, Blown Away, Outbreak, Jerry Maguire, As Good As It Gets, What Dreams May Come, Instinct, Men of Honor, Pearl Harbor, Rat Race, Zoolander, Snow Dogs, Boat Trip, The Fighting Temptations, Radio, Home on the Range, Norbit, Daddy Day Camp, American Gangster, Red Tails, The Butler, Machete Kills, Selma, American Crime Story, and American Horror Story. We should also mention because we try to do this with everybody who is problem, that he has many verified accounts of him of very inappropriate things with people. Yeah. And uh, is under criminal investigation. Yeah, so he is definitely in time out corner. Uh, I would I would probably say more than time out. He probably doesn't need to be in movies anymore. Mm, yeah. Yeah, a strong performance. It is. He's... Very good. He's very captivating in this film. And he's very good at showing that internal struggle. Absolutely. It's funny because like when we came to know Cuba Gooding Jr., it was for me, it was after Jerry Maguire. Yeah, for me, it it was Jerry Maguire. Like I I never saw that movie. But then, you know, I would see things like Pearl Harbor and Zoolander, you know, just you would see him constantly. And so you were just like, oh, yeah, he's just that really good actor guy. Mm hmm. This is, you know, the breakout role for him. (laughs) Sure. He has to carry so much. He does. Because it's him. It's really him. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of the movie. The particularly strong point is right after Ricky's gone. Mm -hmm. His face is incredible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because of the, the amount of just tension going on in him before he finally gets home after finally saying, I can't do this. Yeah. (laughs) And then finally being able to let go. Mm. He's magnificent. Mm -hmm. And again, he has to carry so much emotional weight for the movie. Kill all these fuckers. I'm sick sick of fucking tired of this shit. I'm sick of this shit. I'm so fucking tired of this shit. Fuck this shit. So many motherfuckers. Fuck it. You fucking dirty shit! Don't let you kill all you During rehearsal of Trey getting upset at Brandy's house, when we see him kind of shadow boxing and stuff, mm-hmm. he actually did punch a hole in the wall mm. while they were getting ready for it. I'm glad they reined it in for the final shot. Yeah. Because it actually makes a better impact. But after he did that, the crew uh, all gathered around and made him sign the hole. Well, that's hilarious. It's pretty good. And who could have been better? Oh, interesting. Name an actor, Diana. I mean, in 91, they probably would have said Denzel. No, Denzel's too old in 91 still. Really? I keep forgetting. Will Smith. Oh, no. Mm. He turned it down because of his commitments to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fair. Cuba's better. (laughs) I agree. 
not that Will's bad and not that Will couldn't be good in the movie. But honestly, if you put Will in this movie, make him Ricky. Yeah, him as Ricky would have been interesting. Ooh, put him and Ice Cube opposite each other? Ooh. That would have been fun. That would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Ice Cube, he is playing Doughboy. This is his debut acting role. Love it. You know, of course, he came to prominence with NWA, straight out of Compton. Then by this point, he had gone solo, mm-hmm. which is a whole saga in and of itself. Sure. But during that time, Ice Cube was Singleton's first choice for the role. Mm-hmm. And Singleton would approach Ice Cube after he would show up at parties and concerts in LA, but Cube was reluctant to do the screen test. Sure. Singleton eventually just convinced him and he decided to take on the role. After this, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ice Cube would be in Trespass, Higher Learning, Friday, Dangerous Ground, Anaconda, The Players Club. Three Kings, Next Friday, Ghosts of Mars, All About the Benjamins, Barbershop, Friday After Next, Torque, Barbershop 2, Back in Business, Are We There Yet, Triple X State of the Union, Are We Done Yet, Rampart, 21 Jump Street, Ride Along, 22 Jump Street, Ride Along 2, Barbershop the Next Cut, and Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason Cube has become more known now as an actor than a rapper. Well, since he started doing so much acting, he hasn't rapped as much. That too. So there's that. I mean, he's 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 a whole personality, and he's super fun. But also so grounded and real. He he very much is. I mean, granted, like his persona became a thing. Honestly, even after he made Friday, it was actually mm-hmm. Singleton's urging that led Cube to start writing, mm. which he was one of the biggest writers behind Friday. Yeah. So that was Ice Cube's movie and story. Mm. Uh, Got him into producing and all of that. Mm. But even then, Cube was just being Ice Cube. Mm. He wasn't, it's not like he's he's doing anything deeply over the top or trying to like be a persona at this point. Mm -hmm. And it, his final, his final monologue or his final dialogue with Trey is out fucking standing. Yeah. Turned on the TV this morning. Had this shit on about about living in a violent a violent world. Showed all these foreign places. Foreigners living on. I started thinking, man. Either they don't know. Don't show. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. They had all this foreign shit. They ain't have shit on my brother, man. You kind of feel like he also follows the singleton thing of like, as the movie goes on, he gets more and more comfortable being on camera. Sure. Which, again, makes total sense, especially his first time doing anything. Right. And I feel like about halfway through the movie, something just clicks and he's like, okay, I can be a movie star. (laughs) Yes, I can can. do this. And he does. But my favorite performance is as the captain in the 21 Jump Street movies. Well, for sure. He's hilarious. But like you, this could have just been chalked up as we brought this guy in because we needed somebody who brought that extra level of authenticity. 
And Singleton could have really like reined this role back to make it more of a stunt cast. Mm -hmm. And I think it tells a lot, not just about Singleton as a director, but about Cube's ability as things went along that he didn't feel like he had to cut that much of him. Mm-hmm. That it's like, no, he is going to be an integral character to the story because he's good enough to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And he does. So he, it's just really interesting to watch him in this because he really is like, he has no idea how any of this works, <laughs> but he's figuring it out really easily as, it go, as he goes along. And you can see he's like, you can almost see him just settle into the, okay, I'm an actor now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doughboy's gold Chevy Impala was actually Ice Cube's own gold Chevy Impala. Of course it was. Of course it was. All right, then we move on to Morris Chestnut as Ricky Baker. This is his debut film. Mm-hmm. After this, he would be in The Last Boy Scout, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, G.I. Jane, The Best Man, Like Mike, Breaking All the Rules, Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid, Ladder 49, The Game Plan, The Perfect Holiday, V on TV, Kick-Ass 2, the Best Man Holiday, Nurse Jackie on TV, and then has gone on to do tons and tons of like one-off roles on television. Hmm. So what do we think of Morris Chestnut in this movie? He's great. He's very subtle. He's also really good at like you get like he's both got to be an adult, but he's still a kid. He has to be an adult because he's like the best hope uh, out of everybody for getting out of there because mm-hmm. he's got the dream. Well, he's he's got the dream and the drive, but mm-hmm. there's also this is a necessity. He's got a kid, and because he has the best shot, everybody is is riding on him getting out and making it big. So he is very much an adult because he has to like he he has people to support and people who are relying on him, but he's still a kid. He's so naive, which I love. I yeah. love it, and he does a very good job of portraying that like and not in um uh an expected way it's not tropey he's not he's not leaning on any simple tropes or character ideas mm-hmm. he's really layering in a whole bunch of different motivations mm-hmm. which makes the character feel real because it could feel very like Okay, well, this like 20 something dude feels like he's playing an idiot teenager. And I was like, no, he feels like a teenager who has so much other shit going on in his life mm-hmm. and feels so much pressure to be able to pull this off, mm-hmm. but also just wants to be a kid. <laughs> man, my daddy told me a black man has got no business, no place in a white man's army. Yeah, yeah, I heard all that before, right? But listen, I got a little boy to think about, okay? I'm gonna be like my brother, man. Hanging out, not doing shit, end up dealing Kane just like him. Listen, I want to do something with my life, all right? I want to be somebody. And then finally, and goddamn, is he great? Larry Fishburne as Furious Styles. It's Cowboy Curtis. Man. He's great. I mean, he doesn't come off as a cliche to me. Yeah. And like, one of the best pieces of writing in the movie is Furious mm-hmm. because. You know if a white person wrote this, Furious would be this deeply conflicted character who's had all these problems, and it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Reva and Furious made a decision, and yeah. their marriage was not working out, mm-hmm. but she saw what was happening and was like, I can't take care of him, and I don't want him on the street, Yeah, and you can. And she knows that Furious 
will instill enough in him. Like I've taken him this far. I need you to take to take him to the finish line. Like I can't, I I can't do that. And I I do love that. I love seeing that like they're not together because it's not working, but there's not this, there's not hate, there's not this anger, there's not a dysfunction between them. It's just very much, it's your turn. You gotta do this. And he's ready. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing because it is it is tough, but it is always loving. Mm-hmm. Always, always out of love. At no point is Furious ever just outright mean or angry. Mm-hmm. He is trying to get Trey to understand the stakes. Yeah. I know every time you turn on the TV, that's what you see, black oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Selling the rock, right. pushing the rock, yeah. pushing the rock. Yeah, I know. But that wasn't a problem as long as it was here. Wasn't a problem until it was in Iowa and it showed up on Wall Street where there are hardly any black people. Now, if you want to talk about uh, guns, why is it that there's a gun shop on almost every corner in this community? Why? Tell you why. For the same reason that there's a liquor store on almost every corner in the black community. Why? They want us to kill ourselves. You go out to Beverly Hills, you don't see that shit. But they want us to kill ourselves. Yeah, the best way you can destroy a people, you take away their ability to reproduce themselves. Who is it that's dying out here on these streets every night? Y'all. He has managed to make it this far in an entire area that has always been against him. And he's like, here's what you have to do to survive, kid. Mm -hmm. He's so outstanding with it. It is amazing how great he is at being just a, a strong-willed mentor while also being incredibly loving to Trey all at the same time mm-hmm. in a very believable but not, like you said, not hacky or tropey way. None of it feels forced. It feels just natural. And I feel like Lawrence is a huge part of that. Who could have been better? Eddie Murphy was considered god no <laughs> like not that eddie doesn't have those chops he absolutely does but he not at this time and no yeah, and it's really funny because lawrence fishburne was only like seven years older than kuba gooding jr mm-hmm. like they're not that different in age yeah but he just brings such gravitas in the best way mm. so now let's move on to our pawns. And we have to start off with a really big fucking Arpon. Yep. It's Angela Bassett as Reva Styles. Yeah. She's in the movie for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And she steals every fucking scene she's in. Because she's Angela fucking Bassett. I, 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 what more is there to say? She's amazing. She kills it. She said Singleton was like her little brother. Quote, I've been in LA for about three years and I was trying, trying, trying to do films. We mm-hmm. talked, I auditioned, and he gave me a shot. I've been waiting to work with him ever since. Unquote. He gave her the big break. Mm-hmm. Right after this, she does What's Love Got to Do With It. Made her a movie star. Yeah. And I'm sure this had a big part in that. <laughs> it's a huge deal. <laughs> we have Regina Hall as Shalika. Just as, a, just as a comic side character in this movie, goes on to be a, an incredible actress, now becoming a really great director. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, in the movie randomly. We have Nia Long as Brandy. She went on to make her name as a longtime romantic interest, including appearing in The Best Man and the Best Man Holiday. Mm-hmm. 
Lloyd Avery II playing Knucklehead Number Two, the guy with the shotgun and the red cap. <laughs> Knucklehead Number Two. Yeah, well, he played a number of gang members, and after the film's release, he actually became a member of the Bloods. Okay. He went to prison for a life sentence of double murder at Pelican Bay, and in 2005 was killed while in prison. That's awful. Nicole Brown playing Brandy at age 10. She was on Kids Incorporated and then moved into an executive producer role, eventually becoming the current president of TriStar Pictures. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. I got some wild stories. Okay. Dedrick D. Robert playing Dookie. Mm -hmm. His move to actually suck on pacifiers, that was real. Mm -hmm. He sucked on pacifiers to try and help him quit smoking. Oh, yeah. Singleton thought it was so awesome, he added it to the film. Mm-hmm. He worked on all three of Singleton's original films before being shot during an argument in late 1994 and dying at the age of 22. Ugh. Whitman Mayo as the old man during Furious's speech. Mm-hmm. That is the immortal foil to Fred Sanford, Grady Wilson on Sanford and Son. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't recognize him. I, I watched Sanford and Son, but not a ton. So, wow, that's awesome. And finally... As the mailman who shows up while Ricky and Doughboy are fighting, Mm -hmm. John Singleton. Mm, Yeah. Now to awards. Awards. This film was nominated for two Academy Awards. Okay. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Yes. And Best Director. Oh, wow. At this time, this made John Singleton both the youngest nominee ever and the first black nominee ever for Best Director. Good on you, man. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. This movie strikes a nerve. It does. Like, I, again, I wouldn't call this the best movie ever, but it does make an impact, and his writing and directing are the biggest part of that. Well, that's so vital to its impact. Right. His creative vision is what allowed so many. I mean, it's not that it just told a great story and struck a nerve with an audience. It also launched a bunch of careers, which is amazing to think about. Yeah. And he was always big on that. Like he Mm -hmm. that that was one of his biggest statures in the industry was I'm going to make these movies that really show that, hey, all of us can do these amazing performances and roles. Mm-hmm. You gotta give us a shot. And he always championed more black voices in Hollywood. Yeah. Right up until he passed away. Mm. Which is why when he passed away, it was such a huge thing. Well, yeah. Now on to a little bit of trivia. Mm. Trivia. Reggie Green, who played Chris as an adult who is in the wheelchair, is an actual paraplegic. His paralysis was caused by getting caught by a stray bullet when he was six years old. Oh, wow. Morris Chestnut nearly got his leg run over by Doughboy's Impala when Ferris shoots the Mac-11 in the air. When he runs to Trey's car, he slipped in the street, and he managed to slip away just in time (laughs) before the car ran him over. Singleton thought the scene was so authentic, he kept the take in the film. Again, nobody was actually hurt, so it's okay to keep it in. (laughs) Singleton actually wanted the members of NWA to be part of Doughboy's entourage. That would have been fun. Which, when he was thinking about this movie in like 87, 88, would have made a lot of sense. Yeah. However, when there were salary disputes with the other members of NWA, Ice Cube left the group, which then began a massive war of words 
and sometimes like fights mm-hmm. between the group and Ice Cube. Sure. There are some legendary diss tracks from Ice Cube, which are really not appropriate, but also like scathing yeah. <laughs> upon him leaving. Mm-hmm. So Singleton was like, I can't cast them. I, I, this will be a nightmare. <laughs> this also led to the scene when uh, the guy runs up in an Easy E shirt, snatches one of the guy's chains, and they go beat the crap out of him. Okay. Because they had to take it out on Easy E. Yep. Yeah. According to Paul Rubens, Singleton worked as a security guard for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Interesting. And presented the script for Boys in the Hood to Fishburne and Rubens for comments. That started the ball rolling to get Fishburne to take the role in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's also would explain how they might have met Howard yeah, Curtis. Exactly. And finally, the scene where the boys take Ricky's football and then finally give it back was one mile from Florence and Normandy Street where the Rodney King riots started nine months after Mm -hmm. the film was released. And that leads us to ratings. Ratings, okay. For every film, we have a specific rating system. For this movie, let's do the gold Chevy Impalas. Come on. Okay. Come on. Ice Cube's car, it's fucking great. Mm -hmm. How many Chevy Impalas are you going to give this movie? (laughs) 4.5. 4.5? All right. Just because it's predictable. (laughs) That's it. That's literally it. Yeah, it's like... That's really it. It's it's very predictable, even by 91 standards. Yeah. See, I'm going to go four. Partly for that reason, partly because it's rough around the edges. There are moments where you're like, ah, okay, come on. You could have done this a little bit better. But as the movie goes along, as you get sort of enveloped in it, it becomes better and better. And that the core of the story is undeniable. Mm-hmm. It brings you into the world, which is what you really want from a coming of age story. Yeah. You want to feel like you're getting an actual sense of these characters in their lives. And like for an audience in 1991, that was so unique. And even still now, it strikes that raw chord because it's like, yeah, it's totally different. This is not something you would normally get to see on a movie screen. Mm-hmm. You just wouldn't. It's not the best crafted movie in the world because, again, he's literally figuring it out as he goes. And he's like, in his early 20s mm-hmm. it's crazy to think about <laughs> no matter how you feel about like how well crafted it is it's vital to see it mm-hmm. because it's such an important movie and it just so happens to be a pretty entertaining movie just on its own mm-hmm. without being preachy in any way it just tries to say here's what this is like watch it feel how you feel about it yeah. All right. Well, we are now going to go back in time mm. to a uh, a fantasy world, but also not a fantasy world. We're going to 1940s Hollywood. Oh, uh, okay. And we're going to the Coen brothers before they were the Coen brothers. Oh, okay. We're going to watch Barton Fink. I have no idea anything about this movie. I have seen this film. Okay. This was one of the important films. Oh, an important film, which mm-hmm. is capital be pretend- I, capital F. It's going to be pretentious as fuck. Eh, probably a little bit, but on the other hand, I remember, if nothing else, loving the performances and loving just their vision on this one because this is back when they still were trying to decide whether they were going to aim for funny or aim for hardcore drama. And uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. 
It's been so long since I've seen this one. So I'm I'm curious, but it's nice to get a little weird every once in a while. It's the Coen brothers. It's always something interesting to see. All right. Well, until next time. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.